Hello, Drop Pod listeners. You can find all of our content on YouTube at The Drop Golf Podcast. You can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Pods. That's The Drop Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The Drop underscore pod. No matter how you consume us, make sure you like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Follow and listen along. This episode is sponsored by the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger. Tom Mallon and Randy Tranger are board-certified trial attorneys who share more than 40 years of legal experience. They specialize in personal injury matters, workers' compensation cases, and criminal and municipal defense. As certified trial attorneys, they have recovered millions of dollars on behalf of people injured in accidents and employees injured at work. They have offices conveniently located in Freehold and Point Pleasant. For skilled and personalized legal representation, call Mallon and Tranger at 732-780-0230 or check out their website at tmallonlaw.com. Not only are they good people, they're good golfers too. By the way, 21 squared equals 441. Uh, okay. This is the Drop Podcast where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro, and this is Ryan Kulat. All right, how we doing, everyone? Glad to glad to be back this week. Um, Mike and I got a jam-packed episode. We got a bunch of stuff we want to talk about. But before we do that, we want to let you know that this week's guest is a big one. We were super happy, fortunate to interview Alex Beach. Alex is the PGA Playing and Teaching Pro at Westchester Country Club in New York. He's a two-time NJ PGA Player of the Year, and he's played in five PGA Championships and was the low club pro in 2020. Alex was awesome. He was great. It was, you know, he, he tells stories, and he's really the first guest that's kind of like outside of our boundaries where he spends time in New Jersey working at, at different places, but he's from Minnesota. He currently works at Westchester in New York, and he plays a, a national schedule. So he's, he's really kind of pushing the envelope for us, but we were super happy and, and like I said, fortunate to have him come on. Uh, it's a great listen, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So make sure you stay tuned. And I got a couple quick things here, Rye, that um, I want to toss out at the very beginning. One, you know, again, huge thank you to Hudson Golf um, for being, you know, involved with us and allowing us to have a little giveaway on their behalf. And congrats to Cole Paulson, who won the $100 gift card to Hudson Golf. I'm sure he's going to have a great time there. Um, can't wait to see some of the pictures. You know, him and I were chatting it up a little bit last night once I found out um, his name was the winner on the wheel. And then the other thing I want to toss out there is, is I know that a lot of people in our neck of the woods are, are golf fiends. And if you don't yet, his name is Brian and his Instagram handle is from the drop zone. He's putting together a little tournament here for all New Jersey golfers trying to get together, you know, and registration actually begins you know, if you're listening to this on February 1st, registration actually begins today. Okay, so um, if not, you know, go check him out on Instagram. He'll have things posted. So it's a great opportunity for guys like us, others that are looking just to compete, network, socialize, and clearly have a good time. So go check him out from the drop zone. 
on Instagram. Brian's a great dude, and I think it's going to be a great event. Uh, yeah, for sure. Mike, you and I have gone kind of back and forth. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to registering and, and getting out to play. I think Brian's put together a really nice event. Really looking forward to to meeting all the people that are out there. And again, just kind of getting people from New Jersey playing. I think he's, I think he's got a great thing going on there. Yeah, and to echo that, it's it's at a spot that you and I talk about we want to go play. It's out yeah. in the Shattuck Valley. So, yeah. I mean, there's it's kind of, you know, a, a kind of check multiple boxes per se in one day. So, again, great event looks like. Um, it's going to be a great time, so go check that out. Uh, and as Mike said, if you don't, uh, follow Brian or the Drop Zone. Go ahead and, and give it a listen. Brian does does a really nice job. Um, I want to also give a couple updates, Mike. Last week we talked about people listening outside of the United States. We can look at that. Uh, we can look at like our our analytics or our data or whatever. And it said ninety seven percent of our listeners are coming from New Jersey or coming from the United States. So that means that 3% are listening outside of the United States. And, and we had asked you to reach out if you're listening outside of the United States. Well, Mike, I had a buddy reach out to me and let me know that he might be the reason why th- that we have people listening from afar. I don't know the whole thing about VPNs, but basically what VPNs do is they bounce the internet signal around the globe as I understand it, so you can't be found. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but, but basically in my, in my um, super Neanderthal way of understanding VPNs, it, you can't be tracked. But when it comes back, it's kind of bouncing all over the world, and that might be why we have people listening elsewhere if they're listening on um, either a work computer or they just set up you know, so that they do banking and stuff on their own. They set up VPNs. I, I know I have a few. It didn't cross my mind, and I know I've talked to a few people about that. But anyway, that might be the reason that we have people uh, abroad here, kind of. Well, that would make sense because I know we asked the audience to, hey, just DM us, give us your story, let us let us know some things. And I know you had mentioned, you know, someone from Ohio had reached out to you. I know someone from Pennsylvania had reached out to me. Um, but I never heard from anybody in Australia, which is 2% of that three that's left over outside the United States. So that, so that VPN conversation probably makes a little more sense to me now. Yeah, yeah. And and again, like I, I, I had thought it was bots. I didn't really think we had people listening out there, but I, I was just kind of, this makes, this is the most logical thing for me. So I, I, I think I think we've settled this. I'm, I'm I feel good about putting this one to rest. <laughs> um, Mike, I, I just want to give a, a quick plug as well to uh, to Dr. Mike. I, I keep uh, I've been doing the TPI thing, and while I haven't been as good with my New Year's resolution and doing the stretching every day and the TPI stuff every day, um, it, it's it's amazing what when I do it, how, um, how, how flexible, how, how the improvements are happening. And again, it comes from being lazy and tired and, um, you know, I guess, I guess really those are the two things, but I, when I go see Dr. Mike, it's amazing how like, he'll like test something and it'll be like, okay, that's pretty tight. Here's the exercises we're going to do. And we do like a couple different things. And when I saw him this week, 
I was doing one where I was balancing on my left foot, had my right foot, just my toe, like my big toe was touching on the ground. So I was doing like a split, not like a split squat, but like split stance and do it like this, like rotating, but the, the rotation is all just, it's all these stabilizer muscles, which again, I'm, I'm a big guy, an athlete that, that's lifted. I feel like I'm pretty strong, but he's, and he keeps saying that like, you're, I'm good at those kind of things. I'm, I'm good at like this, the straightforward stuff, but it's the stabilizers that we're working on. So anyway, I'm on my left foot. I got my right foot back and I just, I, I, it's, I just have to turn to my right. I got my hands in front of me. I got this strap on, on my wrist that like I'm kind of cuffed in and I just have my left hand stay forward and I pull my right hand back. So we're working on like a trunk twist kind of thing. And I go for, like, I slowly bring my right hand back to where, like, I'm twisting, almost like I've brought the club back, and then I slowly bring it forward, and then I do it with my left hand, and I bring my left hand out, kind of like I finished my swing, and then my right hand out. So I'm, all, I'm doing this all while balancing on my, on my left foot, basically, and then, and I do that, you know, once to the right, once to the left, that's one. I do it three times, and then I put my right foot up, my left foot back, and do it again. My left hip and ass cheek were on fire while I was doing this. It was amazing. I was shaking like a fiend because my balance when I'm on my left foot is, is basically non-existent. And then, and again, what I love Dr. Mike about is he brings into my my miss so like as we're doing that he's like okay so you're you're off balance there so as you're coming through on your golf swing my right hip is is stronger and basically pushing and my left hip needs to be like stabilizing and pulling but keeping like not letting my body slide forward not letting my body pull out like my left side pull up and it can't do that. And this is an exercise that's like very clearly showing that I'm incapable of doing it, which again leads to my miss being a fade or a push and or a slice. And this and again, here's exactly why this is it's just it's just the, the TPI thing is just so good for that. And I, I again, I, I think you worded it perfectly a couple a couple episodes ago. During the winter time, like, let's hammer these out. Like, let's get away from the simulators. Let's get away from, from like, itching to play golf for a little bit. Just like we were telling athletes, like, like, you tell high school athletes, play football, basketball, baseball. Like, play multiple sports. Do multiple things. Get away from, you know, you don't want to blow your elbow or your shoulder out. So, while, while the simulators and those kind of things have a good place in golf... This is just another outlet for you, you guys out there to, to get better, to work on your game without pounding hours and hours of balls. It's really, it's really been eye-opening for me. Um, and, and even we were able to make a connection with Dr. Mike and, and a, a listener was able to, you know, I like that concept. I like that idea. Went and saw Dr. Mike. He had nothing but great things to say about this guy. Said he loved that he worked with them. And, and I'd also like to remind anyone that's listening, you don't have to be a young guy to do this. This isn't like a young person's thing. It's, it's not an old person's thing. This is for anybody that wants to improve their golf swing. And it's, it's open up to everybody. So, so don't think like, oh, I'm, 
I'm in my 50s, so that's not for me. No, 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 this is for everybody. Everybody can get more flexible. Everybody can get more stabilized. Go and go improve. And this is a great way to improve. Again, I, Mike, I give you all the credit. You said it perfectly. Like, you want to work on, on your golf, golf game while getting away from the game of golf? This is perfect. Yeah, I think it, I think it falls under the, the category of kind of like less is more sometimes. You know, we, we've heard multiple very good amateurs on our show. And we've heard multiple pros say more or less like, you don't got to go out there and beat ball seven days a week. There's many, many aspects to the game that you can improve at. And being flexible, being limber is, is clearly one of them. You know, it's also the same thing about finding time to get in the weight room, get in the gym, be a little stronger. Um, reading books, doing drills. It's not always about getting to the range or getting to the simulator and just pounding away. Like, it's not it's not always the case. I think, you know, what you're learning and what you're, you know, validating is, is that's accurate. Like, sometimes we've got to take a step back, put the clubs in the closet, and let's let's reassess where I'm at. And, and I think, you know, you taking this challenge on, um, I can't wait to see what it looks like because it cl- sounds like you got to clear out quicker on the left side so you can rotate those hips, boy. Yeah. You know, maybe put on some Shakira. The hips don't lie. No, I, I say it all the time. My, your hips don't lie. Hopefully we not hopefully. I know we're going to keep working. Hopefully it's the results that I think it can be and, and be truly a great thing. Dr. Mike Pamakala at Sports Solutions Physical Therapy and Performance Development is located in Middletown, New Jersey. A Titleist Performance Institute medical practitioner, Dr. Mike uses a hands-on approach with his clients to get them out of pain and back onto the golf course. No pain, no problem. Assessments are available for golfers looking to improve flexibility, power, strength, stability, and overall efficiency with their golf swing. Don't let dysfunction disrupt your swing. Schedule an evaluation with a TPI physical therapist and check out Dr. Mike at sportsolutionspt.com and on Instagram at sportsolutionspt. All right, Mike, uh, I, I got something for you. We, we talked about golf rules last week, last couple weeks. Uh, and this week I wanted to address the dress code. And I think you and I are very similar in this, but I think this is appropriate. You know, I have on, on our rules things that we're tackling here, I have dress code, and I think it was appropriate with what Sam Ryder was wearing. I don't, I'm just going to say it, I don't like the joggers. I don't like that look in general. I don't, I don't like it in, like, at the mall, out to dinner. It's, I, I don't like that look. There's nothing about it for me that does it. I don't, I don't agree with it just as like a concept i guess i don't even know if if that's like like i don't i think it's a bad look is basically how to how i how i look at it um i think you i think you are in the same boat with that but that said tell well, what are your thoughts tell me your thoughts on joggers well i i agree i mean i was glued yesterday to you know the final round at the farmers i i just was watching and, and following along and and i was you know, active on Twitter, you know, tweeting some things out. And, you know, the more I kept looking at Sam Ryder and watching him hit shots and his ankles were showing and then joggers were on it, you know, I just put out a tweet saying, you know, something along the lines like maybe the, you know, the joggers are the reason. Like maybe that was, you know, kind of why bad shots were 
being hit. And I kind of tweeted out, I said, I, I blame the joggers is what I said. And it got a lot of feedback on Twitter in terms of people responding. A couple of people texted me and said, you know, I, I totally agree, not into that look at all. Like, I, I don't want to say like I'm a traditionalist and it's only the khaki shorts or khaki pants and a you know collared shirt. I'm not. Um, like, I'm completely cool going no hat or hat. I'm completely cool with wearing a hoodie. Um, you know, there's certain things that I can I can evolve with with things. But for whatever reason, like looking at the joggers made me instantly think of like sweatpants. And and maybe I guess that to some degree is a traditionalist and, and saying like you got to kind of work with things. Um, but even like when Phil wore the button down workday, you know, dress shirt, like I, I wasn't into that. Yeah. Um, but like when, if tiger wants to rock the mock turtleneck, like I can, I can roll with that. Yeah. I, um, mm -hmm. so there's certain things for me that like aesthetically I, I'm cool with and I get, um, I just couldn't get on board with the joggers and that's why I tweeted it out yesterday, you know, and, and the feedback and some of the responses were, were comical. Um, some people agreed, some people didn't. Um, but again, I, I, I just, it was a bad look in my eyes. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm I'm not a fan either. Just of the look in general, and then definitely not on the golf course. But but I'm with you. Like I'm I'm for more. Like I'm for more casual on the golf course. I, I didn't like Phil's look with the button down either. It looked it looked just funny on the golf course to me. Not that that was a bad look. Like I'm a I'm a big button down guy, but I don't uh, that that on the golf course just didn't do it for me. But again, that those like hooded long sleeves that are becoming more popular now i'm good with those i like the mock neck i, I i'm i'm more yeah i'm good with being more casual but something with the joggers doesn't do it for me yeah i mean listen i, I was active yesterday on twitter just you know tweeting things out and responding to people and, and doing that type of stuff and i can't lie like you know yesterday afternoon it was hot i mean you know, and again, I know this is coming out on Wednesday, but I'm referring to, to Saturday when, when the final round was being played. But, you know, it, it was hot in terms of people commenting and, you know, stating their opinions on what Sam was wearing. I guess I just was in the uh, on the other side where I just couldn't I couldn't get on board on that. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's like if it's like a millennial thing or like whatever this generation is now that's like younger. I, I don't you know, I know I know things trend and everything comes cyclical. Uh, you know, nobody's wearing baggy shorts uh, or anything these days. And that was when you and I were in high school. That was the, the and one was the way to go. But, uh, you know, I know that that trends go. Again, I just I, this is one that I can't get on board with. Mike, the, the next place that we're, we want to go is we got to come up with a better name for this. 21 counties, 21 courses. It, it, it doesn't roll off the tongue. There's got to be something better that we can call it, like 21 squared. But is it 21 squared? I'm not a math guy, but is 21 squared 21 and 21, like in a sense? Well, 21 like... count counties times 21 courses. That's what square, like you're... So I, I think that, I mean, you're right. I'm not a math guy either, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I don't know. But anyway, if I'll tell you what, here we go. People, you got a name for us? Come up with it. Let us know. DM us. But this, this like 21 counties in New Jersey, 21 courses that we want to play. I came up with 76 courses. And um, I don't even know if that's true, but I, I couldn't. I kind of went back and forth, Mike, with, with how 
with what I wanted to do on this. I put all the counties, obviously, and then I looked up all the courses that were in all the, all the counties. And I started doing it as courses that I thought I wanted to play. Uh, I'm sorry. I thought I was doing it as courses we wanted to play. But then I ran into like the example that, that I'm going to give and that we talked about is like you went and played this year um, Scotland Run. Now, I've never played Scotland Run. So Scotland Run is on the list of courses that I'd like to play. I've heard good things. I, I, I think it, it would be a nice, a nice track to go to somewhere different that like somewhere I'd want to get out to. But like, do I put that? for our Gloucester County one on this? Or does that get nullified because you've played it, so we want like something we're gonna play together? So anyway, long story short, I couldn't come up with like a true one course for every county. And then I was thinking about this. I think that's okay, because I think what'll happen is we'll have this list of like, here's, here's one, two, three, I don't think I have four, but if I have four on there, and then if we go play it, we can knock it off. And then it's just like a, a, another course in the county. So do you want me to roll through all of these? Well, I guess, Mike, I guess for the audience purposes, maybe maybe you go through each county and you, and you state the, the one spot you're looking to get to. Okay. So, um, so I don't think you need to get into all of them if you have like multiples. Like, obviously, when you go through certain counties, there's only one, so it's easier. Right. But this way, the audience has an idea, you know, because, again, we got all the counties that listen to the podcast when I check the analytics. So mm-hmm. there's people everywhere listening. So, so I, I think they'd be curious to hear, like, what's Ryan's number one spot in my county? I think I think that's good. And, and here's, here's what I want to do. I'm going to name all the courses that I have on that list. And, again, it's some of them. Some of them are one, so we can talk about it. Some of them are two, and I'll tell you which one I put. Like, again, in theory, I have it like one, two, three. I want to play all three of these courses, but I think this is the first one I want to play. You know what I mean? So, uh, Absolutely. So I think, I think maybe, maybe mention a little bit more about the first one and then, and then give you all of them. So we're going to start with A, Atlantic County. Uh, I have the three I want to play in Atlantic, Atlantic County are Blue Heron Pines, Ballamore, and Harbor Pines. Before we get any further, these are almost all the courses on this I've never played. I think there's only one or two courses... No, because there's, I think there's three or four courses that I've played, but either it was a long time ago or there's construction and it's like a basically a new golf course now from what I understand, or we'll get to those as we go through. So, but, but most of these, like if I say a course, it's because I've played it and I've played it multiple times and I don't, like there might be a better course in that county but I've already played it a few times. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think no, I, I'm looking right at your Atlantic County courses. And, you know, I was fortunate to play all three this year. I think I played Harbor Pines actually the end of last last year. I should say okay. the end of 21. 2021. Yeah. Um, and those are three great tracks. I, I would definitely, I, I don't know where you could go wrong. Like I, I loved Blue Heron when I went there this past fall. Um, Ballamore is, is, 
a great, great golf course. It really is. Um, that 18th hole is really cool. Um, and Harbor Pines is another fun track. So listen, I, you really can't go wrong with either one of those three. So, so I have Blue Heron only because, I, I don't know, I feel like I've heard a little bit more about it than I have Ballamore or Harbor Pines. But again, all three are tracks I want to get to. All three are tracks I've heard of. All three are tracks that I, I think would be, would be an awesome time. Next county is Bergen County. And Mike, I'm going to be honest, I don't know any of the courses that were in Bergen County. So I had to do some Googling. And when I went to the Google machine, I, I looked at the rating on Google and what its rating was on, on Google reviews and also on Golf Now. And the four I have for Bergen County are Rockley, Rivervale, Darlington, and Soldier Hill. I'm going to venture a guess that you don't know anything about these either. I do not. <laughs> so, so I can't even. I can't even give you. I can't even give you any anything there. Right. So I'm, I got blanks. So I'm. I'm going to say this. If anybody has. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, again, I think it's. I think I put Rockley first because it uh, it had a. Uh, all of them were over four rankings on on Google. It was you know four point four. Yeah, out of five. So it was like a four point four, four point three, four point three, four point two, and and or something like that. And I that's why I rated it. Uh, again, I don't know anything about these. So if if the you guys listening, if you know anything about them. Certainly DM us and be like, no, 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 Rockley's nice, but you want to go play Soldier Hill first or, or whatever. DM us. Um, I think that would be, we, don't, we need help. So, so help us, Obi-Wan Kenobis. You're our only hope. Um, and I think that's going to happen for a few of these, to be honest, between you and I, Mike, because I think we go to Burlington County, and the same thing, I have Ramblewood, Deerwood, and The Links. I've I'll tell you what, Ramblewood puts out some great looking pictures on Instagram. Right? So like, yeah, I, that's do. why I have them first, uh, to be quite they fair. Do. Those pictures looked amazing. But I, I think that Ramblewood and Deerwood, their website, their, a lot of Ramblewood and Deerwood looked similar. So I don't know if they're, if they're either owned by the county and the county's doing a nice job, if they're owned privately and, and like owned by the same ownership group. I don't know. But I, those are the three. And again, Mike, I know nothing about them. So do you know anything about them? Zero. So again, public, help us out. If anyone knows anything about those, is there a different order? And, and is there one that we're missing on there that's like, those are nice, but this one's better? Again, certainly let us know. Next, we move to Camden County, Valleybrook and Pensauken. Now, Valleybrook is in the... Ron Jaworski uh, family of courses. So I put that one first because I, again, what little I know about the Ron Jaworski courses that I have played, that's, they do a nice job. So it's, it, my guess is it's done pretty well. Don't know anything about it. Don't know anything about Pensacola either. But I'm open to, uh, again, listeners, let us know. That I have, the only reason I have Valley Brook first is... Uh, the Ron Jaworski factor. 
if you recall, if you recall, Lewis Kelly, the New Jersey State reigning Open champion, yes, said that Pensalkin Country Club was a public spot that we needed to go to. You know what? I, and I keep and I put his I put what he says in high regards. I can, so just add that as a little tidbit I, there. I completely forgot about that and. Yeah, and, and I, I forgot about that. So maybe we'll flip those. I, I think I think we'll have to do some thinking on that. That's pretty good. Uh, Mike, now we come back to the east side of the state, and we come to Cape May County. Shoregate was one you mentioned. It's one that uh, I, I hold I hold your your opinions and thoughts in high regard. So I know that you said you wanted to play Shoregate. So that's my number one as well in Cape May. The other course in Cape May I'd like to play, Cape May National. So I have played it before, but again, to this, to this point here, I, it's been a long, long time. And so that's why I have that second as well. You wanted to play Shoregate. I've played Cape May National three decades ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, Shoregate's, Shoregate is one of probably, you know, I have have a list, but they're definitely in like the top five, top ten in terms of where I want to get to in New Jersey this year. There's no doubt. Okay. No doubt. I think Shoregate, the pictures, you know, the history, everything about that place is super, super high on my list. All right, Mike, now we come to where I think we're going to get some controversy. Cumberland County. Cumberland County has one nine-hole golf course and an executive golf course now if there's a way to maybe play the nine hole golf course on the way back from playing the other golf courses so be it but i'm not really interested in going down to play a nine hole golf course in cumberland county that didn't look top notch and I put that caveat in because later we're going to go play a, a nine-hole golf course. But the facility does look top-notch. Yeah, and I, and I, I second that. And, and I don't even, you know, you, we could take out the top-notch aspect of it as well. But it's just, it's just the fact that, like, if we're looking to play golf, we're looking to play 18 holes. And, you know, we want to play a normal regulation golf course. And it's no disrespect to Cumberland County or things of that nature, but... You know, and and listen, if we're wrong, we'd love to be corrected, mm -hmm. but we just don't know where in the county specifically there's a, you know, USGA rated, you know, 18 hole golf course. Everything that we kept seeing was a nine hole executive, um, maybe something that's, you know, 5,000 yards. So, um, you know, for me, it's, it's again, no disrespect, but, you know, I, I would just probably bypass that. The other thing I would say is if, if we're missing one, please let us know. Or if you know of a, of a private track that we could get on, certainly you could let us know that as well. But we tried staying public for this. Not tried. We stayed public for this. And, uh, and yeah, just no disrespect to Cumberland County. It, it, there's just not a lot of golf down there, it seems. Uh, Mike, the only reason why I say that about the nine holes is that if we skip two counties and go from Cumberland to Hudson, 
We have Skyway. Both of us want to go play Skyway. That is a nine-hole facility, and it's the only golf in Hudson County that we that we have on this list. But it's nine holes. However, right, it I see. looks and, and like I, a it, real facility. Not a real facility. It looks like a top-notch facility with exquisite views. It, it's newer. It, it looks like it's uh, it's being run as a top-notch 18-hole course, but it's only nine holes because Hudson County doesn't have a lot of land because it's yeah. And I think and I think the 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 aura of Skyway that has been you know obviously a major topic of conversation for us on the podcast is is the views is the area is the lack of land and then for them to actually put nine holes in an area like that now that's what i'm dying to see i'm dying to see that so that's to me like just like all things in life there's exceptions to rules and this just so happens to be one of them yeah so I want to go backwards now. So after Cumberland is Essex, Gloucester, and then Hudson, but we kind of already just talked about Hudson. So let's go back up to Essex. Um, same kind of thing, Mike. We've, we've talked about Rock Springs. I think that's number one, and it's not even close. The only other two I have, I have Francis Byron, I believe is the name of it. Francis A. Byron. I think it's Byrne. Byrne. Francis Byrne. Francis A. Byrne. Francis A. Byrne. And Week Wake. And I know that uh, Francis Byrne hosts some qualifiers usually every year. I think you had mentioned that. So it's got to be pretty good, but I don't know anything about it. Uh, and Weekwake, I like, it, it's like, it's right next to the highway. It, it just seems interesting to be like a golf course in a park that's in a city. So again, Rock Springs is far and away, and then a distant second would be Francis Byrne, and then a very, very distant third would be Week Week. I think you're it's lockstep there. Yeah, it's not even close. For me, it's it's Rock Spring and everything else after that. Yeah. Uh, then we go to Gloucester County, Riverwinds, golf and tennis. If you remember, Mike, uh, Troy was talking about Riverwinds. We were talking about, is it the 17th hole, the par three, that's got a beautiful view. So, so for me, that's one that that I've heard of, you've, you've heard of it as well, you had some good stories, our guy Troy is, is backing it up as well, that for me is the number one, not as far as, as the Essex gap is, but then Scotland Run, again, because you've played there, I want to play there, um, I, think it was a, I think it was an easy choice to be second, quite frankly, and and then third on this list is Wedgwood Country Club. Uh, again, don't know anything about Wedgwood either, but uh, it, it had it was held in high regard as I was doing my research, so I wanted to add it there as well. Yeah, I mean Riverwinds is definitely something. Again, if we're you know if I start going back to you know some of my spots, I definitely want to go to in, in 2023. You know that that's that's a good one on my list. I, I would love to get out there and see that. I I know a friend that lives out in Camden and speaks highly of that place. Troy obviously echoed that. And not to say I wouldn't go back out to Scotland Run because I thought that ninth hole there was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I, I would like to go see Riverwinds first. Yeah. Uh, we did Hudson County with Skyway. The next one after that's Hunterton. Uh, Hunterton has Herring Glen, 
which again, I've heard exceptional things about. I believe they host some qualifying things there as well. Uh, I get, not that I get them confused, but I think Heron Glenn is right, like, to me, it's like Heron Glenn and Nishanik for whatever reason. I think maybe because like one's in Hunterton, the other's in Somerset. They're just like kind of out in that like West Jersey area. That's like, but they seem like they'd be very similar to me. So that that's one I want to get to. The other one is on in Hunterton is Highbridge Hills, but those are the two for Hunterton. Again, same thing with you. I, I don't. I'd imagine you don't have a ton of information on either of these two. Yes. Got nothing. So so. Again, relying on, on the public here, you, you let us know your thoughts on those two. But Heron Glen is, is my first before Highbridge Hills. And it, it's, again, uh, I, don't, I think there's a gap between those two. Uh, Mercer County is one that I do know that, that we have some information on. Uh, I've heard great things about Mercer Oaks. 36 holes. Um, I've, I've heard nothing but good things. I have a friend who lives out that way. And I... I that's a place that I, I want to get to. Um, Mercer Oaks is, is number one for me. And again, there's a drop off. Um, I then have Hopewell, Princeton Country Club, and Mountain View. And I don't know if I wouldn't put Mountain View second here. Um, I was really just a little less focused on the, at the behind because... Hopewell, Princeton, and Mountain View kind of are, are the same, like interchangeable for me. But Mercer Oaks is my number one here. Yeah, I actually was fortunate. We played Mercer Oaks when I was in college playing at TCNJ. Um, you know, we've got, you know, we had privileges to play out Mercer Oaks and, you know, 36 holes, beautiful, beautiful spot, great practice facility, um, nice clubhouse. I mean, that, that definitely to me, when you're thinking about that area out there, they, they do it right in terms of public golf. So uh, I, I, there's no argument in terms of that being number one on the, on the list. Yeah. So, um, so there we go. We got, we got Mercer. Uh, we're going to stay in the M's, go to Middlesex. Again, the first time I ever broke 80 was at Tamarack. Um, and I've heard that they put a ton of money into – first, isn't there an east to west – Tamarack. Yeah, they put the money into the east. It, so, so again, I played it so long ago that I don't remember whether I did it on the east or the west. I don't even know if when I did it if I knew that there was an east and west. But I, I <laughs> Tamarack's a place I want to get to. Again, technically, I've I've been there, but that's one that I I want to get to, especially with all the money they threw into it. I, I think it would be um, a dereliction of duty if we didn't go see that with the with the yep, new I totally agree. To me to me again that's Rutgers, I know I know you've played it. Mm-hmm. I know people have reached out to us about it, but Tamarack is far and away for me number one in Middlesex. So I not even close. Uh, again, and then I have Rutgers on there because again I know you haven't played Rutgers and I think that it's a must play if you live in New Jersey because it's you know we're one of the only states that doesn't have a New Jersey university or you know, University of New Jersey kind of thing. Like the like a and it's Rutgers for us, but it's not called that. So I would also say that this is the official golf course of New Jersey, <laughs> being that Rutgers is the official university of New Jersey. So That's a, that's a generous title. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it would be fun to get up there again. I like, I, I like that Rutgers does the, the – their seniors have a little bit of their um, – you know, they each take a couple holes. I, I, I like a lot about it. Mammoth, 
Um, again, uh, being this is near where I live, I've played most of the courses. I know you haven't played Sun Eagles. We kind of went back and forth about maybe not putting anyone on this, but Sun Eagles is one I know you want to get to. So it's one that I would certainly play. I love the bones at Sun Eagles. A.W. Tillinghouse course, it, it is um, an incredible, the bones to it are awesome. Uh, I think we should play it sooner than later. I am worried that it is going to be fully private in a few years. Uh, but just, a, but just a, an absolute great track that I know, did you say you've never played it or you haven't played it in... A long time. So I've, I mean, I've played it, but it's been it's been some time. Uh, it has been. I can't tell you the last time I I've played my own ball for eighteen holes there, and, and I do agree with you. I, the the sounds that I hear are that it is going private. So getting on there is definitely going to have to be a sooner than later type thing. Right. Uh, the other one I have is Hominy Hill. I know uh, this is that's kind of where this podcast started for us. But I'd also we played the back twice. Uh, or the front twice, didn't play the back. Uh, we played the back nine twice because that was the front that day. They were starting, the starting tee was number 10, if I'm not mistaken. So we just kind of wrapped around so that we could get 18 holes in, even though they were the same 18 holes. But uh, I feel like you should get there to play the whole, have the whole experience. Comment or no? No, I agree. Okay. Well, hardly. Sometimes you say it too good that I don't need to add anything. <laughs> Mike, after Monmouth, we go to Morris. And uh, I have, again, I don't know anything about these four clubs, but I've heard some things about them. Uh, Bowling Green, Berkshire Valley, Knoll Country Club East, and Vander F- Flanders Valley. Again, I assume you don't know anything about these either. Um, I may flop Berkshire and Bowling Green. I know a little bit about the area, and, and Berkshire Valley Road has beautiful houses on it, so maybe the course is beautiful as well, is the only, <laughs> is like the stupidest logic I can come up with, but maybe that's it. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah. I, I've never played any of those four, so I, I, I'm, I'm deferring to you and the audience on that one. Uh, we move on to Ocean County. Uh, for us, and we've talked about this on the pod before, LBI National is is the only one that we were really interested in playing. Um, either we've played it before too many times or, or whatever, but it's LBI National, right? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've been fortunate to play all the other ones. So, I mean, to me, it's kind of like what's left. Yeah. And that just seems to be it. Right. And I've never played it even when it was what it was before, which is Blankham right now, but... Sea Oaks. Sea Oaks. I never played it when it was Sea Oaks, so... We, we moved to Passaic. Uh, Preakness Valley is the only one there that kind of that rung a bell to me. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's three nines. Um, so that also, for me, is a bonus. If there's more than 18 holes, uh, that, that would be a reason to go play something more. Um, but again, don't know anything about it. Uh, we moved from the top of the state in Passaic down south to Salem County. Um, and it, again, I have two, Town and Country and Running Deer. Uh, I've kind of half played Running Deer. I don't, I don't really get to, I, I, I can't say that I've played it fully, 
but I have knocked it around a little bit there, which is which is vague at the very least. But town and country for me, I think that was also a Ron Jaworski course. I know running deer is a Ron Jaworski course. And again, kind of knowing that they do a good job and, and I've kind of played the other one. I feel like I feel like that's why we started with it. Yeah, I, I, I got, I've heard of running deer, but never been. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm certainly willing to flip if you've never been and want to go. That to me is, is again, something that, that I would certainly do. Somerset. Uh, I think I think the Shannock Valley is the number one far and away for us since we've we've both talked about it. But also there's there's a couple Royce Brook, Fox Hollow. I've heard great things about, and then Quail Brook uh, also was rated highly. So uh, I got those four on there. But for me, that's a three tier one. It's the Shannock far and away, Royce Brook, Fox Hollow, and then and then Quail Brook. Yeah, Nishanik's definitely number one. I've played Quailbrook, and the New Jersey State Golf Association has one of their amateur qualifiers there. Great little public track, um, but like you said, for me, it's it's Nishanik and then everything else. Okay. Um, from Somerset, we move to Sussex. Uh, there's a bunch here. I know both you and I have played Bally Owen, but, but quite frankly, Mike, I, I loved Bally Owen. I would love to play it again. I have all of those Crystal Springs ones on here. This is our. This is the most that we have. I got Ballyo and Wild Turkey, Crystal Springs and Black Bear, and all of those are owned by the Crystal Springs Resort. I also have them in that order because I think that Ballyo is the number one. Wild Turkey is a is a. I don't know if it's a close second, but I know it's not a far second. And then Crystal Springs and Black Bear, I believe, are there are there three and four. I also have, I saw a thing on Great Gorge. They have a golf course and High Point as well. So those are four, five, six courses up in Sussex that I've heard. We may need to spend a week up there. Right, exactly. So if anyone has, uh, has like a It's funny, house I, I will say this. I, I will say this is we do got some things working behind the scenes with, with Crystal Springs Resort in terms of, you know, finding an opportunity to get up there and, and do some things. Um, as well as Great Gorge. So, you know, behind the scenes, we are, they have been super kind in reaching out to us. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful and optimistic come, you know, April, May, June that we're able to get up there. That'd be, that'd be tremendous. Because like I said, uh, Bally Owen is, is so beautiful. And, but, but like, I know Wild Turkey has, is, is highly, highly rated by a lot of people who I trust their opinions. So, um, so that's the order I have. Again, not, not, Again, I would play any of those. I don't. I don't have like because I've played Bally Owen. I don't have like a, a like a tier system for those. Coming to the wire here, we got Union uh, with Galloping Hill. I think that is far and away. That's the 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 headquarters for the uh, New Jersey State Golf Association. I think that's, they put all that money into it. I think that's an easy one for us. And then uh, Warren County, you're going to have to deal with it, Mike. We're going to go play Architects. That's the one and only. I know I've played it before, um, but that's that's our Warren County one. So Yeah, no, no, I'd definitely go up there. I'm not against doing that. Okay. Mike, that's, uh, that's, that's going to be it here for today. We covered quite a bit. Really good podcast. Like I said, we had a lot of stuff to cover. We have some more, but let's let's put it off for next week and let's uh, let's send our audience to our interview with Alex Beach. Alex was a tremendous interview. A lot of great stuff coming out of him. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. And again, um, really start to push the envelope here with his uh, with his nationalness. So 
Without further ado, here's Alex Beach. Hey, what's going on? Alex, what's going on? Hey, pal? what's up, Alex? How are you guys doing? Good. How you Great. doing? How are you? Good. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, I can. Right. You good? You hear him on per- your side? Yep. Perfect. All right. So on today's episode, um, we're fortunate enough to have a guy who's a phenomenal golfer that um, I'm sure a lot of us have have heard about, read about. Um, today's guest is Alex Beach, two-time New Jersey PGA Player of the Year in 2016 and 2017. Four-time Titleist Player of the Year, which is awarded to the number one player on all of Titleist staff members. Another big accomplishment for him was he won the 2019 PGA Professional Championship, as well as in 2019, the National Car Rental Assistant PGA Professional Championship, becoming the first PGA member to win both in the same calendar year. He's also played in five PGA Championships, where he was the low club pro in 2020. He held Corn Ferry's tour status as well as a PGA Tour Pro from 2019 to 2021. And he's currently a PGA playing and teaching professional at Westchester Country Club in New York. Alex, thanks for taking some time to come on the episode today. Man, that's quite an intro. Uh, thank you. I'm happy to be here, guys. It's <laughs> you, really your that. intro. <laughs> yeah, I listen, know. It's all your stuff. Yeah. I, I, I probably, I kept looking at him like, man, I probably could go deeper, but I don't know if we'll ever have a question and answer session of this. <laughs> well, there's two things. One, it makes me feel like I'm getting older, but two, uh, no, it's just kind of fun to look back, but uh, no, happy to be here, guys. This will be fun. Yeah, listen, well, if you're old, then man, I'm, I'm senior citizen level. <laughs> So, so listen, let, let's kind of get started here, but let's start at the very beginning. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey as a kid through high school golf to really to where you are today as, you know, as a competitive golfer who follows and, and constantly looks at things as I am. You know, to me, you're a household name in, in the local New Jersey, New York area um, that if I were to say your name and the guys that follow along, they, they, they clearly know who you are. So. Why don't you give us a little background of yourself? Yeah. And, you know, it's it's so fun. And, well, obviously, I'll start at the beginning. But, um, you know, I was born and raised in Minnesota and, you know, very Midwestern. I stayed in Minnesota through high school. I played four years of varsity golf, ninth through 12th um, at a pretty big high school, Stillwater, if anyone's familiar with it. Um, and, you know, golf became a passion of mine we moved on to a golf course in fourth grade and I never took a lesson I never really had any direction outside of pure proximity living on the course I became interested I grew up playing baseball at a pretty competitive level soccer hockey things of that nature and when it got time to go to high school baseball and golf were the same season and um, I chose to go with golf and then my next door neighbor who was on the golf team with me that was a little bit older went to the PGA golf management program up at fair state. And he came back one time and spoke to the team and kind of told us what he was doing in school. And that kind of clicked with me as someone who, you know, I knew I wanted to go to college, but I graduated high school in 07, which was kind of the, the first uh, dose of a bad economy that we saw in our lifetime. And so I uh, did some research and ended up going to the university of Nebraska and chose not to play on the golf team, but instead do the major and do some other things in college. And that was great. And I kind of used that time in school to 
you know, not only grow as a person, and obviously that's a pretty pivotal part in life, just growing up and getting older and having to deal with that. But for my golf journey, I really wanted to use uh, my internships as a platform to travel. And so my junior year, I went to Flagstaff, Arizona and worked at a club called Forest Highlands, uh, which was really cool. Got to see that West Coast and kind of, you know, get used to the vibe out there. And then I really also wanted to see the East Coast. And so I was lucky enough to get a job at Congressional down in D.C. and worked there the year that uh, the U.S. Open was held, that Rory won by, I think, eight or something like that. Um, and there's a cool story there because in 2009, maybe it was eight, someone will crucify me, but it was when Hazeltine had the PGA Championship and I went and visited and I have a picture. I was my first golf tournament that I had ever attended and I have a picture with Rory. We both look like we're about 12 years old, like, you know, got, he's got like acne. I don't even know what I have going on. That. <laughs> and, you know, then you know, three years later, working at Congressional, I had a picture with him and his trophy. We still look juvenile. Um, and, you know, I'll fast forward a little bit. Present day, we played, you know, 10 tournaments together or something like that. So that's just been kind of a cool cliff notes. But my time at Congressional, I started really looking around, <clears throat> excuse me, at the industry. And I said, you know, who has the best jobs? Like, how do I kind of enter this massive golf industry? And and playing was still something I really enjoyed, but it was not a focus back then. Um, so I graduated school. Uh, my first job out of school was at Burning Tree, which is right down the street from Congressional. It's a men's only club. Uh, really, really cool place. Uh, worked for two great pros and Charlie Briggs and Ricky Tuma. Um, I spent my winters during that time out at Desert Mountain in Scottsdale. So I kind of kept that East and West Coast thing going for a couple of years. Um, and then after two years of doing that, I was kind of ready for something bigger. And, and there's just certain limitations of working at a men's club. If your goal is to be a head professional, you kind of need to learn some other things. And uh, just through a very small world connection, um, I was introduced to David Reisner and the Ridgewood Country Club, which uh, I'll never forget. The day that I, I moved from Scottsdale and I landed in Newark, having never been in New Jersey, um, that was <laughs> A wake-up call, I think, to say the least. And <laughs> that is eye-opening. There, <laughs> one of the pros picked me up, and I just met him. And we go to the house where we'd be staying for a little while. Uh, I eventually lived on property, but this is where I was going to live for a couple of weeks. And I'm just—I mean, my eyes are wide open. I'm like, "What the heck is going on?" And, and that night, Reese took uh, myself and the whole staff out to a Devils game, where uh, I got to know him and, and Tom Flat and a bunch of other guys and. Uh, my liver will never probably forget that night. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that that was kind of my first throw into New Jersey. Um, and, and I say it now, like New Jersey was such a pivotal point in my career. So I worked with Dave at Ridgewood for three years, you know, really learning the golf operation, running the shop. Uh, you know, it was more of a management role than certainly anything of teaching and playing. And it was great. I learned so much. And, you know, his connections are so deep and he was lucky enough you know or, excuse me I was lucky enough that he took me along and introduced me to a lot of these people who you know today are still friends mentors and colleagues um and so I started playing in the jersey section I remember arriving and I looked at some of the names who I'm very lucky present day to call friends and you know guys like Brett Jones and Studer Gaffney um you know the Pat Fillion you know these list goes on and on and these were guys back in the day that were just assistants like me many of them now are head pros and such and you know like how the heck am I supposed to beat guys like Jim McGovern and you know 
so I kind of started to like really practice and play a lot. And of course, living on property, being in my young 20s, I had nothing else going on. So you work all day and you play golf until it gets dark, uh, which I miss those days. I don't do that as much anymore. But, um, you know, so during my time there, I started also going down to Jupiter, Florida in the wintertime. And it eventually got to a point, I think after I won my first player of the year in Jersey, where I was like, you know what, I wonder if I took winters and didn't work, but went down to Florida and kind of, you know, that's pretty normal in the Jersey and Met section that guys do that. It wasn't so much in the mid-Atlantic. And, you know, with the thought of if I play 12 months a year, where can I end up? Um, and, you know, as I said here today and all those things you were kind enough to say as an intro, you know, it's, it's safe to say it worked out. Um, but, you know, a lot of small steps took me to Jersey. And then eventually, you know, uh, I went to Baltistrol for a couple of years with Ryan. And then um, Westchester contacted me. They had a role that they thought I would fit really well into and would also be something I would enjoy where, you know, my sole responsibilities are to, um, you know, teach and play and be with the membership, but also have a little flexibility to travel and, you know, pursue some of these tour aspirations that kind of came up along the way. And so, uh, you know, again, as I sit here now, it's been a wild ride, but it's been really, really fun. And I've been so lucky to get to know a ton of great people. And honestly, most of them are Jersey. Like I always say, you know, I'm in the Met section now, but every time I go back, it feels like home. You know, I'm still lucky. They invite me to a lot of events there and it's truly a fraternal organization there. And some of my best friends are there. You know, I know you had Hager on and, and Dimmick and guys like that and Matt McKeon, and, you know, so it, that my heart is still very much in Jersey, even though physically I'm not there quite as much. Yeah. That, that's well, well, kind of like, Go ahead, Rock. Go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, we appreciate you uh, keeping the Jersey roots, despite how tough that must have been coming from Arizona and you get off the plane and it's just so stacks <laughs> and then stayed in Bluefield your first first week there. It's got to be, that's, that's, uh, that is a, a real punch in the gut there when you think you're coming to the Garden State. It was different, but, you know, <laughs> then, you know, as time went on, we saw the rest of it. It's truly a beautiful place. I mean, I, yeah, I, I tell like the Jersey Shore is one of my favorite places anywhere. Um, you know, I'm lucky to spend some time there and, uh, you know, as long as, as well as North Jersey, but obviously it's a little more laid back, but no, it's, it's an amazing place. You just, yeah, that was my first, uh, you know, getting off the plane, driving down Bloomfield Avenue was, uh, was interesting. <laughs> yeah. A little second guessing there, maybe as you get off that plane, you're like, uh, yeah, maybe but not. No, no regrets, right? Yeah, no doubts. But like, let's, so let's, let's kind of like backtrack a little bit to like your, your early days. Now, obviously, you know, being self-taught and not having a true mentor or true coach that, you know, you can kind of lean on and then adding the difficulty I would assume to playing golf in Minnesota because I feel like the winters here in, in the garden state can be rough. I can only imagine what it's like growing up in, in Minnesota with the golf. Like what was that like as a kid going through high school and then trying to like, you know, play and be competitive as much as you possibly could. Yeah. It's a great question. The simple answer is honestly back then, like I didn't take golf that seriously, you know, growing up in Minnesota, we're very much, a product of the weather. And so as the seasons would change, kind of so does the sports equipment. You know, I played hockey all winter and, you know, you go skiing and snowmobiling. We have a cabin up in northern Minnesota. So, you know, really once like Halloween hit, the clubs went away. Um, 
and, and that's just what I grew up knowing. And I didn't really play any high level junior golf. I didn't play, you know, IJGT or AJ GA events. I mean, I barely played in, you know, Minnesota state opens and, and things of that nature. So, you know, truly when I moved to Jersey is when I got really competitive about it and kind of laid some of those other things down and said, all right, like if I'm going to be in this golf thing, I want to be as best, the best version of whatever I can be. And I remember someone told me early on, like you kind of, you have to make a name for yourself in the golf business somehow, whether you're going to be an excellent teacher or a merchandiser or a professional or a player. And, and, you know, I've kind of kept that in the back of my mind as I've made decisions over the last 10 years. Um, and it's worked out really well, but yeah, the Minnesota summers are short. Uh, I mean, they're beautiful. There's no place I'd rather be for those about three months. But um, now even I'm sitting at my parents' place in Florida right now, and it was negative 27 back home yesterday. So there's certainly not a lot of golf going on back there. No, no interest to get back there either. <laughs> no. <laughs> Alex, you, you give me hope as someone who didn't take a lesson, kind of bounced around. I, I think I think that's going to be my new goal. I'm going to follow your footsteps and I'm just going to I'm going to head down to Florida and just <laughs> and just join you in the competitive level. It's got to be that easy, right? It's all I got to do. That's it. You, you know, and, it, and it's not unfair for, you know, as time has gone on, it's not fair for me to, you know, I've never really taken a lesson, but I've always been a sponge for information. Like I've always processed things by watching someone who was better than me at something, whether it's golf or life or whatever, you know, in a certain aspect, I would just watch them. And you brought up the word mentor and, you know, a lot of people in New Jersey, and I'd be happy to name them, their stories I've shared before, have really helped me, you know, uh, playing rounds with guys like Brent Studer, who I play a ton of golf with to this day, Jim McGovern, Brett Jones, you know, these guys where I was able to ask them, I was like, you know, how do you handle playing in your first tour event? How do you win a section championship? You know, winning at golf is so difficult um, because there's so many other factors than just hitting the ball. You've got so much time to think, obviously the elements, everything has to be as good as possible. And so just listening to them, um, I'll never forget. I'll share a story because it, it sits with me daily. My first club professional championship in Oregon that I made the top 20. Um, I played the third round with Brian Gaffney, who is, one of the nicest, you know, consummate professionals I've ever met, no less in the state of New Jersey. And he and I were paired together round three and he didn't play well and he missed the cut because um, there's that secondary cut between round three and four. And I played decent. I was kind of in the mix and I get to the range the next morning and he's the first person I see there. And I'm kind of taken back. I'm like, man, here's the guy that you know didn't play his best. He missed the cut, but he's the first one on the driving range, like working on his game. And I was like, that's pretty special. So I go out and play and I make a putt on 18. I birdie the 18th hole to kind of sneak into the top 20, but there were still many groups behind me. And he comes up and gives me a big hug. And he's like, I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. And I'm with my family and we're all kind of freaking out. And he pulls me aside and he said, hey, can I give you some advice? And I said, absolutely. Like, I'm kind of stunned at this point of just the situation that I'm in. And he goes, I know you really want to go and hang out with your family and have a drink. But, you know, there's a possibility of a playoff. And if I could make a recommendation and I'd be happy to tell your parents, you should probably, you know, go to the range, you know, keep to yourself, kind of stay in the moment until you know that your fate for sure. And I was like, OK, like, yeah, that sounds great. So. I literally grabbed my putter and a ball. My caddy and I walked to the putting green that was a few hundred yards away. And, you know, Brian kind of explained to my parents what was going on. And he came over and we're putting and he's like, all right, like, 
you know, hit this putt for real, like go through your full routine and this and that. And this goes on for like 15 or 20 minutes. And I'm kind of looking at my phone and eventually he's like, Hey, can I see your phone real quick? And I said, sure. And I didn't think anything of it. And another 30 minutes goes by and, um, I was safely in. He didn't tell me for another 15 minutes or so because he had my phone, which was intentional. But, you know, moments like that, like I will never forget where, you know, someone took the time to show me something that they had learned and probably been passed on, you know, earlier in their career. And, you know, again, I'm looking at Brian, who's a guy that's played in probably, you know, four or five PGA championships. I know he was the low club pro in 2012, maybe. Um and he's a guy that I looked up to and now, you know, he passed it on to me and I've been lucky present day, to like kind of pass it on to other people, but there's just moments like that where, you know, that wasn't taking a lesson, but it was more of a life lesson and, you know, how to stay mentally sharp and how to really win and how to, you know, all these little things that I've just absorbed um, from people that have done it before me. Um, and so it isn't fair to say I've never taken a lesson. I've never taken a swing lesson, but you know, I, I definitely have, uh, a lot of, of things to be thankful for and grateful of, you know, situations like that. Yeah, that that's incredible. I have a mentor. He always said uh, it's best to learn from other people's mistakes. Now, in this case, you're not hopefully not learning from someone's mistakes, but I think that that kind of is similar, like learn from if you can learn from others or pass something down. That, again, absorbing that kind of information is pivotal in success. Yeah, no question. And, you know, they say, it takes a lot of losing to learn how to win. And especially relating that to golf, you know, you look back at, you know, maybe you're in contention and, and you miss a couple shots. And I've had so many tough learning experiences as I think most, you know, golfers that try to play at any level have. Um, and it's, it's pure scar tissue that eventually when you learn how to deal with that and become very comfortable being incredibly uncomfortable, um, then you can succeed. And, you know, playing in my first PGA championship, well, that makes every other tournament I'll ever play pretty easy because you relate it to that. Like there's no state open or met open. That's going to make me nervous anymore because I now I've played in, you know, a few majors and I've played on tour and I've, you know, there, there's no higher pressure than that. But I've also said, I think it's really tough to prepare yourself for an event like that until you actually have to go through it. You can read all the books you want. You can do all the self-help, whatever, but when you step on that first tee, your body is going through things that you simply cannot prepare for, and you have to learn how to deal with them, um, which has been fun, but also over time. But, uh, you know, every little moment like that and understanding, you just try to normalize it. Um, I've always said that was the hardest thing for me trying to play on tours. I didn't play high-level college golf. I didn't play the mini tours. You know, I played as a club pro, which certainly is very competitive, but it's different. You're not traveling as much. You're not having as much pressure put on your back to succeed, whether it's from yourself, family, friends, sponsors, your enemies. I mean, you know, but I've always been the type of kid, if you tell me I can't do something, watch out um, and see what can happen. And, you know, it's just compiling all these experiences into, you know, whatever's happened today. It's been uh, a lot of fun. And I think that's the core thing. I've had fun through all of it, through the ups and the downs, you know, as competitive as I am, you got to just laugh at it. You know, I hit a bad shot now. I laugh at it. Yes, I've broken clubs. Yes, I've done things. I think I'm getting better at stuff like that, but uh, that's only because <laughs> you care. You know, like I, I always, these keyboard warriors on Instagram, when you see like a, a tour pro freak out and they're like, I'm like, if only you knew, but for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny you bring up Brian Gaffney because I'm like you, I've had to have a couple lessons in my day. Um, 
And when I quit playing baseball, when I was in eighth grade, my family grew up Manasquan River. You know, my dad was a member, my uncle, my grandfather, we grew up playing there. And if you think back to when like Brent, Brent Studer was obviously the head pro back there. My first ever lesson was with Brian Gaffney. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget. Like when you talk about how nice of a person he was and is, um, it just dates me back to those days when I was like, you know, 13 years old, getting my first lesson with him. Um, and even then I still have nothing but positive memories about that specifically. Um, and, and then you go to watch him and see how he's progressed throughout his career himself. It's, you know, it's fun to watch because then you, you kind of feel like, you know, you, you know, that person who does well and, you know, you're somehow tied to it, but, you know, just to echo what you said about Brian, he is definitely, you know, a world-class person. Yeah. And, you know, for me, like Manasquan River is such a special place, even though I never worked there. Um, my good friend, Mike Beck, who I think we're mutual friends with, you know, he interned there after working with us at Ridgewood. And so every time at Ridgewood back in the day, I would, you know, probably open on Sunday and race down to the shore and we'd stay at the Manasquan house. And, you know, that's where I got to learn other things about like the Parker house and Bar A and certain <laughs> other. Oh, yeah, there we <laughs> go. Now we're talking. <laughs> And, you know, and, and I got to know Studer so well, and I got to know Brad Sumanek and Matt McKeon and Brad Olson and Vinny Junko and like this whole like core group of guys that are down at the shore. And it was so cool. You know, and they were so kind to kind of accept me as, you know, one of their own, even though I was north of the bridge. But, you know, I spent weekends there. I played so much golf there. It's, you know, now I'm lucky I spend a ton of time down there. Um, but, you know, I think every golfer has had an experience with a golf professional. Um, I remember my first job, even though he wasn't teaching me, you know, they, I think it's in our blood. We kind of care. We want to grow people's games. We want to make an impact on someone, some ways, somehow. And, you know, again, knowing those guys as well as I do now, and certainly you guys seem to as well. Um, they're just awesome people. And again, I can't say enough about the Jersey section. When I go to these tournaments, um, you know, we play something at Pine Barrens every year that Brian DeMarco puts on that raises a bunch of money. And, it's so fraternal. Everyone is so happy. Everyone helps out. It's such a small knit group of just truly nice people. And I think the bad ones get weeded out so quickly just because they're not going to tolerate it. And so I, I truly, I can't say enough about my time there and the relationships I have and, and how much those have helped me and wherever I am today. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. But so like not trying to, you know, you know, put an age on you or date you here in a sense book. Cause obviously I think, you know, and I know that you're younger than me, you know, but when you look back at like your golfing career as a professional, like specifically in New Jersey, you know, like what are some of the things that for you stand out, you know, maybe relationships, courses, obviously we touched on some of the relationships already, but like, you know, like are there specific moments in your career when you're a local pro here in, in the Garden State that that stand out maybe more so than others, a moment, a course around that maybe you can oh, elaborate man. a little bit on? Yeah. And again, like in such a great way, there's so many, um, yeah, but a couple that come to mind again, when I moved to Jersey, which was 2014, so I'm 33 now, I'll, I'll throw the number. You're a young buck. I'm sniffing 40 here. I'm clinging onto it as hard as I can, but <laughs> so, you know, what was that? It's nine years ago. So I was, you know, early twenties and, you know, even, and I, I mentioned the hockey game that Breeze took us to, and I'm sure you guys know Dave. He's, he's one of a kind. He's, but that moment changed my life. And, you know, in, in the sense of showing up and having a boss take you to a hockey game with a bunch of guys 
who become like instant friends and just seeing how much they take care of you. And that, that was such a precursor for how the entire section is, you know, going to my first section meeting and sitting next to Dave and no one knew who I was and he introduced me to everybody. And, you know, they're all having drinks together, not to say we're all alcoholics, but you know, golf is a social sport and that's what we ended up doing a lot. And even every little assistance event, you know, we're back and we're playing for gas money and, you know, taking our only day off and competing, there's always a cooler beers after and guys hung around and, and you got to know them. And, and that's what made it so special. But, you know, playing wise, I'll never forget uh, the New Jersey match play. I believe it was at Canoe Brook and I was young back then. I mean, there was a picture uh, of the final four. So I won the first two matches, I think it was against like Jimmy McDonald, who's awesome. And I, I, J-Max a good dude. J-Max over dude. at, uh, at Beacon Hill now. He is. He's one of the best. He's yeah. He was an assistant at Manasquan too. Yep. And so I, I took care of him and I forget who I played in the second in the afternoon, but I'll never forget the following day, the bracket. I had to play, I think Studer in the morning and McGovern in the afternoon. And go. I think I had there to play Dave McGovern like the next day. And here I am, I'm like, holy shit, how am I supposed to beat these two guys? And I had to heighten my level of play so much because especially in match play at Canoebrook North, like those guys are not going to make mistakes. Um, and I somehow got through the day. I think I beat them both like three and two. And that I remember like driving home from that and being like, what? like, you know, that was a huge accomplishment for me. And, and as I'm trying to like, wrap my head around beating these guys and how do I win? You know, we kind of touched on that earlier. Um, there was another time when I won my first major at mountain Ridge. And I don't think I'd have to triple check this, but I don't think I've ever lost a tournament at mountain Ridge during my time in Jersey. Wow. Um, three of my four majors were at mountain Ridge. I love that golf course. Um, but the first one I won was the uh, fall finale, which in Jersey, like the first 18 we play as a pro-am. So I played with David and two members from Ridgewood. Um, and I, you know, I shot a few under or something like that. And, and then the next day you play 36 holes in a two-some. And I don't remember who I was paired with, but I don't, I don't know if it was my favorite person. And probably, they're probably a little slow. Like I like to play fast. But, you know, going through 36 holes of grinding and trying to win and accomplishing it. I remember when they handed me the trophy and I go see Chris Bauer. And, you know, Steve Barkowski, I think, was the tournament director at the time. And it's like, holy crap, like I did it, you know, and I'm, I'm, I walk off the green and Billy Hook and Matty Adderholt give me a big hug. And, you know, the, the whole fraternal thing, Matt McKeon's there, Scott Paris, like all these guys who I'm still friends with, like they were cheering for me. I promise you, because it's happened recently in the Met, that doesn't happen. I want a trophy. People are not happy about it. But, you know, what? it is what it is. Um you know, so all these progressions and then playing in my first PGA championship. And uh, I was at Baltusrol at the time. And the cool story there, the summer prior, Baltusrol hosted it. You know, I was still working at Ridgewood during 2016, but the members had seen the tournament, obviously, firsthand. And then one of their staff members gets to go play in it. And the support there was crazy. And so I flew down to Charlotte. And one of the scariest moments, I'll never forget this, as I'm walking to the tee, I see Morgan Hoffman who's obviously a Jersey guy back then was still playing on tour. And I had to wrap my head around Morgan was like sitting on the cooler and I walked up and he's like, beach, what's up, bro. I'm like, Hey man, like, how you doing? And he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, I qualified. And he's like, no way. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> like, 
forgive me like what are you doing here he's like oh shit i'm first alternate and i'm like i'm about to play in a tournament that like morgan didn't you know i think it's nothing to do with morgan but just like he's someone i know that allowed me to like normalize it mm -hmm. so i'm walking mm -hmm. to the first tee and there's a line of people that came to watch me and i'm going down the line thanking everybody and i'm kind of you know i'm, I'm nervous obviously it's a blur i'm just kind of going through the motions and i get to uh, someone I didn't know was going to be there, who was a guy named Kevin Vitali. That's the, uh, I think the GM or COO, CEO of Baltusrol, who's like my boss. And I was like, oh crap, like, hey, Mr. Vitali, how you doing? He's like, hey, like, go play well. And it scared the shit out of me at the time, honestly, because like he's the boss, he's an intimidating guy. And, you know, I walk over that bridge to play my first tournament and I'm just like taken back with the amount of support, you know, members flew down to watch me and staff flew down to watch me people are tuned in online obviously social media is an aspect of it and i i say to this day like that has been the coolest part of anything that's happened in the last 10 years is having the opportunity you know for me to compete and play and achieve these kind of high levels but the most special part is the amount of people who have supported me both in person from afar you know people i don't even know i show up to tournaments now and they're cheering me on or you know maybe they've read or heard something that I've done and you know one of the best compliments I've received is I don't think what's happened has changed who I am it's changed a lot but I still kind of approach it with a fun mindset um you know I don't claim to be the best golfer in any room but I've just been lucky to have some good finishes and uh you know so I really think back to Jersey fondly you know I still get to play in the MGP cup every year they still invite me to certain things um and I think just the relationships that I've, I've been lucky to build. And I know I, I've kind of harped on that during this, but they truly do mean the world. I mean, there's, I could call any one of those guys, any head pro in Jersey. And if I needed help or needed something, there is not a question in my mind that they would jump on the opportunity to help out. And if they couldn't do it, they'd find someone who could. And, and that's just such a special thing. So I hope everyone in Jersey knows like, truly how special these pros are um and the interactions but you know behind the scenes how close-knit they all are and, and what they do to like make new jersey golf as great as it is yeah last week's episode when we interviewed chris dimmick and like I, i've met chris three times as like just basic handshakes even just on a zoom he, he made me feel like we were long lost friends and I, and I think that that's to your point the the fraternity that new jersey golf has is runs so strong and so deep that that everyone's willing to help out somebody or make someone feel welcome or do whatever they can in any way that they can. And I, I think, again, to your point, I think that that's, that's just the fraternity that we have here. It is. And, and I, you know, I don't think you find that a lot of places, you know, certainly the Met is close, um, but it's a big section and, uh, you know, not to compare those two, but I mean, I, there's just so many people and it's been fun also in the last nine years to see, where everyone's ended up, you know, so many of the people I started as like young assistants are now head pros or running their own shop and they have families now. And, you know, for me playing and, and a lot of the stuff has changed. And, but, you know, regardless of what's changed in the last number of years, like when we all meet up, it's like time hasn't, you know, gone by, you're just kind of like the same people and you get to catch up. And, and that truly is special because I don't think that's normal. Um, no. And, and dimes that Chris has been Chris to your point. Um, you know, Mike Beck has been lucky to travel with me, or I should say I'm lucky that he's been willing to travel with me to most of my tournaments. Uh, he's one of my best friends. And and Chris and his wife drove down to Charlotte from Manasquan to watch me play the first two rounds. 
you know, he's like nine hours in a car, which is crazy. But, you know, that just speaks to guys like that, you know, and Matt McKeon right down the street, who's been one of the nicest guys to me, you know, if in the 10 years that I've known him, you know, that's what I think makes the shore so special. I go down there and you've got that core group of guys, Jimmy and Maddie and, and dimes and, um, you know, in Studer, I'll forget a couple of names, but I don't mean to exclude them. It's just, it's a really cool place. And that to me is the lasting memory of like what's happened. There's been cool, you know, I've obviously been lucky to win a lot of trophies. <laughs> I'd be remiss to say winning the pro assistant with Reasoner wasn't a lot of fun. Um, that was, uh, that was one hell of a night after that. And yikes but yeah you know it's fun to like look back at the photos and look back at instagrams and like man i almost forgot that that happened or playing the pro pro with Sam <laughs> every year and i mean we had so much fun and it's just such a an organized chaos but um god damn yeah we've had some good times <laughs> alex you've been talking a lot about like all the all the places you've been you know an assistant here teaching here i know you're at westchester now but also playing in PGA championships and then all the state stuff. So it, uh, if someone were to define your, your job status, are you a, are you a professional, like a PGA professional golfer? Are you a, uh, like what, what category are you falling in here? That's a, that's an awesome question. And I'm sure this will be controversial. Um, <laughs> no, like to be honest, you know, and listen, there's, there's a lot of, really cool things and really unfortunate things that happen when you maybe try to step into the circle that I've done. Um, I, I'm a PGA club professional, you know, I'm a, I'm a proud PGA member. I'm a teaching professional at Westchester. Um, and you know, that I think there's a pretty big misconception there not to defend myself against a lot of the rumors, but you know, up until Westchester, I really had jobs that I had to work. I mean, I still worked 70, 80 hours a week. Um, you know, there were times where you're opening the shop before trying to play and you're closing after. And that's just what the job required. Um, and I know there's a lot of people who look at maybe what I've done and assume that it's just been kind of a cakewalk. And it's been quite the opposite. Um, I think there's enough people that will defend that. Not that I'm asking them to, but, you know, present day, I'm very lucky. Westchester has a role in Ben Hoff finding the whole staff there. And I say this a lot, but I'm truly grateful for what they allow me to do. Um, you know, my role there is strictly to teach and, you know, then to play on the side, um, I, I get kind of to control my own schedule, which allows me to do a lot of these things. And what 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 that means is when I'm gone, there's not work falling onto someone else's plate. That's kind of a tough, you know, unfair thing in the golf business. Obviously, everyone gets in it because they love to play. You know, many people play at a different level, but it's hard when you're the you're expected to be at a club every day to be away for multiple days at a time. Um and so I'm very, very lucky to have a role where I can do that and they support me to do that. Um, the membership and the board and the staff, you know, they love it and, and they allow me to do it. And I'm not the only good player on staff. I mean, we got Paul Savaggio, Mike Ballow, Ben Hoffman, and a bunch of other guys that are very, very accomplished players. And we're all lucky to work at a club that truly supports it. Um, you know, the amount of texts and calls I get from members supporting me while I'm away um, you know, that's the most special thing. Um, but I, if I had to define myself, I've been a PGA club professional since 2012. So almost 10 years now. Um, you know, yes, I earned my tour card. Yes. I've played in some championships and I've become friends with a lot of guys on tour and I do get invited to a lot of really cool events. Um, but that all happened from hard work, but I'm still a club pro at heart. You know, I, 
whatever i mean i don't have a tour card anymore so they can't call me you know the tour bro anymore but you know i've always i keep my goals set high i mean i want to compete at the highest level and um where, wherever that is every get any given week that's what i like to do but uh i'm, I'm still just a, a a proud club pro and who loves to play and compete and wherever that takes me uh so be it so i got a question i got a question on that on that specifically um so like if you when you when you do, obviously you still play in the Met Opens, correct? Uh as long as the MJ lets me and now that COVID's over, yes, I do. What is it like, you know, obviously because you've been so successful and you show up to the Met Open, are people scoffing at you saying, like, oh, Alex is showing up to this event after he just got playing in in, in that tournament? Are they do they look at you like it's an unfair advantage more or less that you're showing up to their event as they would look at it I, oh and i only say that because i just i read a lot of things i listen to things and and i always see her like oh when alex beach shows up it's just like unfair because he's really not a club pro do you do is that uh, a true rumor like do you feel well, that sometimes or no absolutely listen yeah. there's <laughs> I've, I've heard that. That's the only reason why I want to bring that up because no, listen, I've heard people it, scoff like, oh, here comes Alex. It's not fair that Alex Beach shows up. Well, and that's, you know, there's more scenarios on the golf course where I probably hear that. But if I'm going to answer that, honestly, there's there's multiple sides. I think there's a lot of people that don't like what I've done. Um, they're jealous. They're jealous. We'll call those the haters. Yeah, and I, agree. I, love no, I agree with you. I agree with um, you. Listen, there's a reason I've stopped posting stuff on I, on IG. I get to do a lot of cool things. But again, it's all it's come from me adopting an attitude years ago. I'm not going to say no to opportunities. I'm going to work my ass off. And, you know, these are the benefits of that. Um, but no, like during COVID. You don't need weird. to post those, but you could send those to us. So we know what cool yeah, stuff we'll, 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 look at awesome. we'll look at them. Blow up your DMs. It'll be we'll great. vicariously live through you. That's all right. <laughs> But no, like and that's been a sad reality of, of this journey. Like, you know, you, I, I've always been, I try to be really nice to people. I've got a unique personality. I'm very outgoing. I love to joke around, um, you know, and good play comes with that. There's not, there's not always going to be everyone that loves that. And so be it. Like, listen, I'm over it, um, but it doesn't make it easy. You know, I know guys talk shit about me behind my back. I know people, you know, wish that I play poorly or that, you know, if they beat me, they go home and like brag about it. And that's awesome. Like, that's fine. That's part of golf, unfortunately. You know, showing up to a Met Open, I think the Met Open is probably one tournament. I mean, listen, it's not unfair because I've never won the damn thing. But if you look at the names in the Met Open, like last year I played with Mike Miller, who's a good friend of mine, and he won it. You know, the Met Open is basically a juvenile tour event. I mean, you could put that field up against a, a B-list Corn Ferry event, and it's about the same. You know, just because of who gets in that. Now, yes, guys say in a club pro world, but you know what, like, everyone out there has the same opportunity to do what I did. Go practice, go get better, go travel. Like I'm kind of adopting an attitude. Like, like, listen, I don't win every event, but also like not every event gets my full attention. And maybe that's wrong to say, but you know, I look back and I've played and, and there's no way to make this sound like I'm not a dick, but you know, I've played in five PGA championships. I'll play in the club pro championship for as long as I'm a club pro member. Um, you know, when I show up to a Monday assistance event, which I don't play a ton of anymore, a section event, like, listen, deep down, I want to win. But there's also a reality of what I've done over the last few years. It's tiring. I mean, 
this nonstop travel, um, you know, even in the Met, you know, the, over the summer, it's like a blur. Um, you know, this year I was lucky to go to London for the PGA Cup and basically from the Met Open until probably two weeks ago. Um, so what's that three or four months? It's pretty much nonstop constant travel, which it's awesome. Listen, I love it. I wouldn't change it for the world. But, you know, I came back after a 12 hour day flying back from London to play our section championship. And I shot 77 in the first round because on the back nine, I could barely function. Well, I shot nine under the next two days to come back and win the tournament, which is great. But like, there's a lot more things. It's really easy for people, I think, to sit back, you know, sit at work and complain and, and want to hate on someone like me who's taken these chances. And, you know, I've been lucky to succeed in most of them. But, um, you know, that's also my motivation. I don't do it for them. I do it for me and, and my circle. And I've been lucky to have so many people join my circle and mentor me and support me and sponsor me. And and that's what I love about it. Um, but I hope they don't think it's unfair when I show up. You know, they should see that as motivation. Um, you know, again, I don't win every tournament. Uh, golf is is too hard to do that. Um, but, you know, I, I do think on some level, if I'm in the mix, um, you know, maybe I, uh, my reputation will allow me to live in some guy's head rent free, but yeah, I, 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 agree, yeah. I agree with that aspect of it. I, <laughs> For sure. I, yeah. I just, I figured I had to ask it because I've heard it. I I've read about it and, and I, and I look at it more or less as jealousy more than anything else because i always take it as well if you want it so bad then get up and go do it yourself like right. don't 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 criticize me for it but I, I wanted to ask that only because i do i have heard that but <laughs> well and it is it's tough and it's it's hard for me you know i gotta balance you know obviously listen i am very professional about it we kind of have to and i think maybe that's the difference between us and some tour players but golf's too hard to be that cocky i mean you know i can I can be as good as I am in any given Sunday. It's not going to go your way. You know, the goal is more, the harder you work, the more it does go your way, but I don't win every tournament. Um, not every round goes great. Um, but I do enjoy the competition and it, it's just a reality of the, of the job that, you know, I'm going to kind of catch those naysayers and there's going to be guys that beat me and, you know, tell their friends. And that's awesome. You know, like deep down, it's like, it's kind of fun for me like to be in these guys head. I'm like, why are you worried about me? But so be it. You know what I mean? Like I, I like watching other people win. I like to celebrate other people. That's just me. And if it's me, that's great. But yeah, I will say this every morning I wake up, um, I've got, I mean, a pretty decent collection of trophies and awards and things that I look at every morning. And that's my motivation. That's my motivation to go to the gym late night. And I've, you know, so much of the work happens when no one else is watching. And that's where I get pissed off where guys are like, yeah, you were given this. And like, you don't understand what I've sacrificed to accomplish whatever it is that I've accomplished. And it's really easy to sit there and say, it. but also those are my motivators, you know, like totally those, are, those are the guys when I'm out of the PGA championship and I'm sitting at lunch with a bunch of guys on tour, I've become good friends with, like, I've been lucky to see another side and there's always going to be haters. Like, it's just, it's a part of the game. Um, I don't love it, but I don't think any good player would sit back and say that they don't feel it too, but I just use it as motivation. It makes the win sweeter. And you know what? I can laugh at myself if I lose it. It doesn't ruin my day. Yeah. Good. That, that's, that's to me, that seems to be the right attitude to have of like, 
Yeah, you got you've clearly grinded for your whole career and are in a situation, you know, being out all those places. And like you said, sometimes you're going in to open the shop to then play and then close the shop. Like those are those are grinding it out days where where you could have done something else and maybe other people are. But now you're in a position that's awesome that allows you, you know, the, the club allows you to be as active as you are. That's Again, if you if other people really wanted it, they would find a way. Well, exactly, and and again, I, I I'm not taking solo. Uh, you know, um, it wasn't all me that helped me get there. But there's, you know, I go back to what I said. Like every job I've had helped lead to the next one. You know, you got to be able to ask for for favors, or at least ask someone like, hey, how do you think I could accomplish this? And there's ways to do it. Um, you know, I, I look at one of my really close friends, Ryan Hager, uh, who I know you guys had on and, and like, look what Ryan's accomplished. We worked together at Baltus Roll in 2016 and now he's, you know, got this unbelievable teaching following and, and he, that's because he wanted it. You know, he, he went out and he grinded and he put his effort into growing his social media following his, you know, job at Plainfield with Sean Gold and, and Scotty Pate Harris. And like, he got it and he gets people, you know, hating on that like people just hate success it doesn't matter if it's on the playing side or the teaching side it's just but it it's out there if you want to accomplish it they i think they can go do it and i wish more people would rather than sit back and just complain yeah and i think that's that's where the most frustrating thing is even to someone like ryan is like you're that people can't be appreciative or look at and say like listen this guy put his head down he went through the ringer he's grinding he's been successful let's let's be appreciative of that and let's compliment him on that rather than trying to pull him down to my level because i agree i think the world we live in right now just can be like that in general but let's let's flip it to a different gear because obviously mike beck is is one of your close buddies and oh, i know boy. mike well um so he's I, gonna I, love this so I, I can't lie. I before you came on today, I over the week last week, I said, Mike, you know, give me give me some things about Alex that I can you know maybe bring up and and good Ouch. fun. But he he was he was very very friendly to you that I didn't get anything, you know, super juicy. But I think so you owe him a drink there, Alex. I can't even go. I can't even that's, dig no, in something be, deep. So that's because he knows this is a two way street. Yeah, you might need to thank him for not giving me anything good, but he d- he did say obviously you know when you bring up Jupiter and you being down there, um, you know like he did say that the square groupers your jam. Well, I think it's one of the greatest pieces of property in the country. Um, no, like, what's your favorite restaurant down there? Oh man, I you know what I I always say culinary cafe and Utiki. Um, okay. and I will say this, like Jupiter has become home to me. Like I've spent, this is my ninth year down there. Um, you know, I've moved around a lot up North and, and Jupiter is such a golf centric place. You know, you go out to dinner, you go grab a drink, you're running into people who love golf. Um, and I think that's so cool. Like, it's just, it's such a great place. Obviously in the winter, it's, it's beautiful. Um, even in the summer. Um, but no, Mike actually just became a homeowner down there, so we're gonna have to stare at him every now and again. But yeah, he, uh, he told me, he told me that he he did give me the good news about that about finding a spot down there, and I and I asked because my mom and dad are full time Jupiter residents. They live down there, and you know you're talking about in my eyes when you're talking about golf courses down there, that it is 
legitimately second to none. And, and in my eyes, like the restaurants, like you, you run into so many people down there that even the public golf courses in that area specifically are just, are just beautiful itself. So, you know, I always liked it when I hear that, you know, Jupiter pop up on people's radar. I always like to bring that up because, you know, I don't, I don't know how you can get sick of the place like that. No, you can't. And, you know, again, like part of, you know, part of my journey, I attribute to going to Jupiter, um, playing with better players and, you know, you like go play the minor league tour. Some of these club pros, like they, they want to complain about it. Like go sign up for those events because you're going to play with guys that you've never heard of that are going to beat you so bad that you're going to have to like motivate yourself to get better. You know, you've got to shoot 62, 63, 64, but, you know, playing in events like that, it's something I started doing years ago. Like, you know, there's always a difference between a, a PGA tour or a minor league event and a club pro event. I'm not saying the talent is different. The mindset is different. You know, you, when you go and play against guys who have made golf their full-time job, and they have no excuse but to practice and play and practice and play. And, you know, as a club pro, we're balancing so many other things. And I think that's a key designation. But, you know, if you want to be good at golf, you got to learn to play against the better people. And when you're in Jupiter, you could go play a money game. You could go to Jupiter Dunes and sit there and watch 10 guys roll up that will want to destroy you. And it makes you better. But that that community has definitely heightened my playing ability, you know, playing with PGA you know, I remember when I was a member at Fox Club back in the day playing with guys like Denny McCarthy and Brad Miller, and we'd have a money game where if you didn't shoot like 64, you were losing a lot of money. And then, <laughs> oh, my God. You know, but, but Rye, that's, that's 18 a, holes, right? Right. That's 18, 18 holes. holes. But Rye, that's a different. 18. <laughs> Once you wrap your head around that being the task at hand, you know, that's, I think, how you truly get better. You put yourself in an uncomfortable situation and learn how to figure it out for yourself. Um, but I can't say enough good things about Jupiter. I, I love it down there. It's uh, it's provided me a lot of really great experiences. Um, and hopefully it'll be, uh, you know, part of my life for, for a very long time. Alex, I got I got a question kind of on what you were just talking about with like, you can go to somewhere that there's going to be 25 guys that are that if you don't shoot 64, you're going to you're going to lose money. And like, can you put into perspective how much harder PGA courses and the setups of them are compared to like, even like, I know you've been at Baltusrol, but like the regular play at Baltusrol, what's the level up of like a PGA US Open compared to just normal private clubs? Um, It's a good question. And, you know, I probably have a very skewed vantage point to that. I mean, I look back at the clubs I've worked at and, and I attribute this to making me a better golfer. Um, I mean, I've worked at, gosh, you know, Forest Highlands, Congressional, Baltus Raw, Ridgewood, Westchester, Desert Mountain. Those are all courses that host majors. Um, they're arguably some of the longest and hardest courses in their respective areas. And so playing a tournament course like that makes you better because I think, and there's a difference, I think, between certainly a club pro, a corn ferry tour event and a PGA tour event, um, you know, you see some of these scores on the corn ferry and I spoke about like the minor league tour, you know, you're not necessarily playing the truest championship style golf course. It's not a Baltus roll. It's not a Ridgewood. It might be something different, 
where it's like your hometown country club, but those guys are forced to adopt the mentality of you have to go and make birdies. You have to go and shoot 20 to 30 under par in 18 holes on tour in the PGA tour in a major, you know, if you normalize it. And I think the stat was if you shot like two under every round, which doesn't seem that bad. Um, you would like win a couple times a year. You'd make, you know, 75% of your cuts. The courses are just longer. They put a premium on hitting fairways and shot making where some of the other, you know, corn fairy, it might put a, you know, just slap it down the middle, your wedge game and putting. Um, it's literally a putting competition. Um, but, you know, like, well, Beth Page is a perfect example because we've all probably played there close to home. Baltus Roll as well. Like, they can't change the layout. But, I mean, I play Beth Page every year now in the State Open, and the Met Open was there last year versus the PGA. Like, the rough was twice as long in the PGA. It was a little colder because it was May. But that's it. You know, Baltus Roll, they grow the rough out. But, like, if you hit the fairways, it's not that bad. The greens might get a little quicker. But it's the same blueprint. Um, they're big ballparks. And, you know, but you, I've also learned, you know, when you look at a PGA Tour calendar, whatever it is, that 26, 27 events a year, there's a reason why certain guys perform really well at certain events. It could be the grass. It could be the length. It could be the layout. It could be, you know, you only have to play well a few weeks a year. Um, but majors and, you know, you said PGA Championship versus U.S. Open. I think Kerry sets up the PGA is very fair. I've never played one and I felt like, man, that was hard. Well, sorry, no, they're hard, but not unfair. Gotcha. U.S. Opens, <laughs> he, that's a different ball game. Um, <laughs> I'll just say that just to, in case I ever play in one. But, you know, the, the PGA of America is not out there to make it impossible. It's very fair. The conditions are challenging. And that's also what's tough for the club pros, you know, when you play in a major. And, you know, I unfortunately have to answer the question of why I've never made a cut. I've come damn close. Um, you know, I got hurt a couple of times. The weather at Tulsa obviously was terrible, but, um, you know, that's one of the hardest setups they play all year. It's the, it's statistically the hardest event to get in as a PGA tour player, the PGA championship out, you know, obviously the 20 of us, we have a little bit of a different route, but outside of that, it's the most challenging event. So you've got the best international field on a really hard golf course. Um, and by the way, making a cut means you got to beat two thirds of the field after 36 holes that's not a small task um, when you're going up against guys who look, you know, you know, I'm going from, and I'm not complaining, but it's a reality. I'm going from teaching a ladies clinic or running a tournament and then jumping on a flight and getting there where everyone else is playing, 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 practice, 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 gym, 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 gym. Um, but you know, the golf courses, I think in, in New Jersey, you know, being that we've talked so much about that, I mean, there's probably a dozen, if not more courses in Jersey that could and have hosted PGA tour events that people can play day in and day out. Which is interesting um, to me. So, but you know, they, they make them a little faster. The rough usually gets longer because that's a defense nowadays, but that's about it. Like those courses are ready to do it, but some courses I wonder like how much work they do to pair is kind of. Yeah. I think I everyone's going. different, you know, like I think, you know, more of setting up a tournament now is the the stands and things of that nature. Um, most of the golf courses, especially in Jersey, like to your point, you could call them and with a week's notice, they could produce a really good product. Um, I mean, the level of golf in Jersey, and I know we, we'll probably get into it later, but like some of my favorite courses there, I mean, there's 12 to 15, maybe 20 places that are unbelievable that, you know, literally at a moment's notice, you could bring tour guys there and challenge them. 
And, you know, Beth page is a great example, especially for high school kids, because there's no tricks. It is right in front of you. And if you hit fairways and greens, you can score there. But if you miss a fairway, that rough is so thick and you've got to carry it from the tee to the fairway, the fairway to the green, it'll expose any weakness in your game. And you can shoot a score that might be a little outside of your normal range. But you look back and you're like, well, that's because I hit, you know, six fairways or I missed a bunch of greens. Then, you know, giddy up, you're going to have to score. But uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Beth Page is one of my favorite courses. It's just pure golf. So, so to piggyback that a little bit, like if you had to, if you could give our audience, obviously, you know, you've been fortunate to play a lot of great golf courses in the state of New Jersey. Um, and, and I'm not sure if you've been able to dabble at all with the public scene as, as much as, as maybe some of the private courses, but if you were to, if, if someone were to get invited to maybe a private spot that, you know, they had something going on, but they should drop everything because they got that invite. Is there a place or one or two that stand out more so than any others? So, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't played a ton of the public courses. Um, and, Which is and, mainly, fair. and mainly the reason is, you know, when I was in Jersey and even now, you know, obviously what with work and everything, most of the places I play are solely because there's a tournament held there. You know, I, I really don't get a ton of like days off where I go and just like play somewhere. Right. Um, but one of my favorite conversations I've had with friends over the years is, you know, we always talk about like, what are your favorite courses in New Jersey? And for me, it's a funny list because, and I got to be very careful of how I say this, but like, okay, let's take off the ones that for most people are unattainable. Like obviously Pine Valley is incredible. Um, Baltus Rawl is incredible. Um, I still think Ridgewood, their composite 18 holes is the best golf course in the Northeast. And I'll stand behind. And that's an unbiased opinion. If they could rate a composite course, I would love to see where that would fall, but it is unbelievable. Um, but like my favorite courses outside of kind of those normal big names in Jersey are Cola, Mountain Ridge, Hollywood, the Ridge at Backbrook, the last 16 holes at Essex County. Um, oh, hold on <laughs> why the, what about the first two i think she, i think the, i think two is fine i mean listen I, and again it comes to the conversation of like i think essex <laughs> county has the best back nine in the state one and two i understand they're just kind of locked like relative to the rest of the course they're a little weak um i've never been so i just oh I it's all yeah it's like but to your point like i think these are places that are a little more uh, playable for most people you know they're not impossible to get on mm-hmm. um, but even like you know again like you start splitting hairs spring lake is so much fun manasquan is fun matita conk i think is super difficult um echo lake like you know the renovations they've done have been unbelievable uh hackensack like there's no there's really not any bad golf in jersey um but i've always said my favorites are kind of those ones I listed. I mean, our, our Cola Mountain Ridge, Hollywood, um, the Ridge at Backbrook, you know, are ones that probably don't get thrown into the, the first conversation when you're talking about New Jersey golf. But I tell you what, man, you, you know, you catch those on the right day. They are as fun and gorgeous and well manicured as anything out there. And again, not to the Ridgewoods and the Baltus Rolls and the Pine Valley, like, you know, they're obviously in a, in a league of their own. They're incredible. 
Um, but some of the ones that maybe, you know, and as I travel a lot and everyone knows those courses because they host majors, but maybe they haven't heard of some of these and, you know, to even to bring it to the Met section, you know, a lot of the best courses over there are not the biggest names. Um, they may not have the the history and the reputation, but I mean, there's so much good golf in that, you know, New Jersey, New York area. And, and it's fun to be able to travel around and, and, and see a lot of it. Yeah, I, I like that you did that for, for not just us, but for our audience and going with like an Arcola or, or those other ones. So Alex, you obviously play a ton of golf. There's got to be some kind of quirk that you have that that all golfers have, because it is like, I think golfers are quirky by nature. Having like a, a superstition or something that you do or have when you're getting ready to play, uh, could, could you share what yours is? Because we all do it. <laughs> oh boy um I, i'd actually love to hear other people what they think it is i mean i i don't claim to be superstitious i might be a little bit stitious um <laughs> thanks michael scott <laughs> yeah right so i mean I, I guess i don't know man like i don't think i have anything that's too crazy i mean you know, there's simple things like, you know, when I'm on the course, I like to eat well, you know, so much of the golf I play outside of tournament is social. So, you know, you're, you're enjoying yourself. I like to joke around regardless of what the tournament is. Um, I'm fairly notorious for not having a super long warm up session um, in the sense of kind of coming in hot and going straight to the tee. I wouldn't recommend that for everybody. But, you know, for me, that's kind of how I learned how to play, you know, I didn't always have time. And as a club pro, a lot of times you're, you're bouncing from, you know, your responsibilities to like, Hey beach, like you're on the tee with, you know, so-and-so it's like, all right, like time to go figure it out. But, you know, I, I say this and, and guys will look at me like, Oh, you didn't prepare for this tournament. I'm like, yeah, maybe not, but I've also been preparing for these for 15, 20 years. You know, the, the nights in the gym eating fairly well, um, you know, just knowing my game, and I know this is a, it's a poor answer to your question, but when I show up, I know what my game is. And that took me a long time to feel confident with. I think when you start playing at a higher level, you look around at guys that have maybe a different routine than what you have, or they're doing certain things in the gym, or they've got a trainer or a physio or a mental coach or something. You're like, well, I don't have one of those. Maybe I should get one of those. And you get sucked into this vortex of trying to keep up with everyone else. But when you become confident in what brought you there, whether you're a high school player, college player, you know, a weekend golfer, you know, and obviously I teach the game now and it's, it's fun to share these things, but, you know, figure out what you're good at and play to that. And I think that's what I do really well. People ask me like, what's the best part of your game? I say, I don't know. I can find a way to make par, make birdie. I can get up and down from just about anybody or anywhere, excuse me. Um, I don't have a lot of quirks, I don't think. I mean, I, I really try to have fun out there. I joke around a lot. I think everyone would agree with that, um, for, you know, from the caddies and players I've been lucky to spend time with. Um, but I don't take it too seriously. And I did for a while. Um, and those are probably my least favorite years playing golf. And, you know, nowadays I show up with the same mentality. I have a lot of confidence. I hope it's not perceived as being cocky, even though some people would disagree with that. Um, but I just, I do me, you know, I have fun with it. I'm, I'm comfortable with who I am and, and I like to have a good time, win or lose. And I think that has allowed me to meet so many people and, and really 
kind of progress further than maybe I would have had I had a different attitude. And, and, you know, depending on the tournament, I've got the mindset of, listen, I'd love to go out and shoot 64, 65 every time. But if I don't, I'd like them to remember me for being me um, and having a great time, whether I shoot 65 or 75. Um, and, and that's maybe the advice I'd give to somebody else. Just, you know, normalize it. There's always going to be someone better than you. There are always going to be people who, are going to judge how you play. Um, but don't let a score define that. Um, you know, obviously deep down the competitive side of me hates losing. Um, and that's what all the hard work behind the scenes goes into, but uh, maybe those are my kind of my quirks. You know, I, I have a good time. I show up when I do, I know what works for me. And, you know, at the end of the day, you add them up and see where you fell. But, um, yeah, I know that I don't like put all my change in my left pocket or, you know, tie my shoes differently or anything like that. Okay. <laughs> it's definitely, it's been funny because we've heard so many weird things, but um, it, it's nice to hear someone be like me and be a little normal. Yeah. I mean, listen, we're, all, we're far from normal. Man. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> you know how many times I've heard people say, Oh, I put two T's in my pocket. I've tried the two T thing, then go out and shoot 44 or nine holes and say, I'm never doing that thing again. So yeah, try, try two beers instead. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, Alex, I appreciate you coming on, dude. I, I really do. And, um, you know, I hope, hope you had some fun while you come on here and, and, you know, best of luck in Jupiter. And if you're ever in the area, don't be afraid to, to hit us up. We'd love to get together. No, I appreciate it, guys. It's been fun. And yeah, I'm up there all summer. So we'd love to get together and we'll go tee it up and you can you can see this mess uh, firsthand. <laughs> yeah, Alex, I, I'm, I'm going to echo too. Thank you so much. Clearly, we could talk for, for hours and hours with you. This has been such an easy an easy chat. It's been it's been awesome. It's been a pleasure meeting you and, and you know, virtually and uh, and best of luck and look forward to teeing it up with you sometime. Yeah, guys, would love to. Happy to anytime and uh, appreciate everything uh, that you said. And, you know, can't wait to be back in New Jersey with uh, with you and my friends back there. All right, pal. I appreciate it. Of course, guys. Anytime. Sounds yeah. good, Alex. Take care. Right. Be good.